Hey, welcome to More Than Bread, where we truly believe that amazing stuff can happen when the Word of God connected to the Spirit of God becomes alive for the people of God. We call this podcast More Than Bread because Jesus echoes the very heart of God when he said, people cannot live by bread alone. They live and thrive by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need more than bread for life that thrives. My name is Dan. I'm a pastor, a reader of scripture, and a very imperfect but passionate follower of Christ. And as we dive into scripture, I invite you to to listen, to even just listen. I mean, sometimes hearing the words through our ears rather than reading them through our eyes I don't know, it just, it just brings something different. But I, but I also want to encourage you to dive into the Word throughout your day. Take this psalm with you and read it later. If it's morning, read it at noon and again before you go to bed. If it's night, read it again in the morning. Don't just read it, pray through it. Uh, we've said before, in the psalms, we are learning the language of prayer. We're developing a, a language of prayer, but we also talk about three L's of Scripture, listen, learn, and lean. And as I read the Scripture... Listen for the voice of the Spirit to, to kind of emphasize a thought or a sentence or maybe highlight even just a word, highlight it for you. Don't, don't ignore that when that happened. It, it really could be God himself speaking to you. And then as you listen to my explanations of the scripture, perhaps there's something for you to learn about God, about life, about yourself. But please do not walk away from the scripture without making a decision to lean in. Do something with what you have heard and learned. Listen, learn, and lean. I, I encourage you to turn it into an I will statement. E- even if it's simply, I will share what I've heard to, with somebody else, with a particular person. But but what because of what I've heard, I will fill in the blank. On this episode, number 117, we're looking at my top 40 Psalms. And, and today it's Psalm 26. Listen as I read from the New International Version. Vindicate, we're going to hang on that word. Don't miss that word. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I've trusted in the Lord and I have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love. I've lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I don't sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers, and I refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence, and I go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty and in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. Vindicate me, Lord, he says. I've led a blameless life. Test me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I've always remembered your unfailing love. And I I rely on your faithfulness. I lead a blameless life. You know, I I was thinking about this psalm. And as I studied it, I thought, you know, if I could give one and only one gift to us at Calvary. If I could give one and only one gift to the Church of America right now. The church in the center region. Your church, wherever it is. It'd be hard to choose, but certainly I would have to ponder long the gift of integrity. 
to come to those moments in life when you know you need God more than you know, to be able to stand in the shadows of David and say, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's one of my heroes of the faith, well, he said in a Nazi prison, hours away from hearing the click of Gestapo boots coming to escort him to his execution, he wondered on paper, what kind of people the church was going to need most when the last bomb had exploded and and the last person had been killed. And here's what he said. He said this, what the church will need, what our century will need are not people of genius, not brilliant tacticians or strategists, but simple, straightforward, honest men and women. In other words, people of integrity. We may build our churches and seek to make a difference in our neighborhoods, pray for revival in our region, but the reality is that we cannot be a real-life blessing to our neighborhoods, to our community, our school, our workplaces without integrity. Without integrity, (laughs) we have the same blessing capacity as the walking dead. I think if I had the gift, I'd give you the gift of integrity. I'd give us the gift of integrity. But I don't, and I can't. Integrity is not a gift that God wraps up for Christmas. It's not a a substance that he injects in our hearts in the middle of the night. Integrity is forged in times of choice. It, It becomes part of our stories with God over time. And sometimes the journey, let's be honest, the journey to integrity is difficult. It's full of tests, like the journey a Chicago neighborhood took a few years ago. Some called it pennies from heaven, others a late Christmas gift from God. Everybody was talking about it. God's gift came wrapped in a Brinks truck. (laughs) When it overturned on a highway overpass during rush hour one January day, the gift was unwrapped and this river of mountain flowed to the streets below. Lieutenant Bill Schwartz said you couldn't walk anywhere without stepping on money. Motorists grabbing greenbacks jammed the expressway for miles. Grandmothers stuffed coins into the folds of their robes. Men loaded their caps with coins. Women with babies were putting money in their strollers. One little girl emptied her book bag so she could fill it with change. She just dumped all her books into the street. Those scrambling for the cash were were stunned but happy. They darted back and forth through the traffic. and An officer had to stay at the scene all day long to keep people from getting run over. People were willing to die for free money. What would you have done? In his book, The Day America Told the Truth, James Patterson reported that 74% of Americans would steal from those who won't miss it. 64% would lie for convenience as long as no one is hurt. Nine out of 10 say they alone decide moral issues, basing decisions, did you get that? Nine out of 10 say they alone decide moral issues, basing decisions on personal experiences and desires. What would you have done? Faye McFadden, a mother of six who was earning minimum wage as a clerk, brought back $19.53 in a plastic bag. With her children looking on, she said it was the right thing to do. Herbert Tavern, a sixth grader, turned over 80 cents to his his, his teacher, as soon as he got to school, it was stealing, so I had to give it back, he said. One man on the scene said, this isn't a blessing from God, it's a test, and we're failing miserably. Would you have passed the test, or, or would you, like Rosa, 7-Eleven clerk, said, I'm good, but I'm not that good? What are the limits of our 
goodness? What what are the lines we won't cross to get what we want? This question goes deeper than an exercise in what if. We, We face it daily. I mean, integrity is not only speaking the truth, it's doing the truth. It's being true. Integrity is keeping promises and fulfilling expectations. And integrity is drawing the lines we will not cross before we step up to the line. Integrity is being who we say we are, even when it seems the rewards go to those who aren't. It's a journey, and it's not always easy. Jesus was talking about integrity in the Sermon on the Mount. I I, I keep finding these uh, kind of amazing connections between the Psalms and the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it was just because Jesus was steeped in the Psalms. But he talks about integrity in the Sermon on the Mount when he said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, he said, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you've sworn. But I say to you, Jesus said, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this, Jesus said, comes from evil. Now, what did he mean in in those words? Well, really, he's dealing here with something even deeper than the need for telling the truth. He's talking about the need to be true. That's integrity. Don't just speak truth. Be true. Walk the talk. See, the, the people in Jesus' day had a system. The law said that if they made an oath, if they made a promise in God's name and they didn't keep their promise, that was a big time no, no. So if they didn't want a promise to be such a big deal, they'd swear by heaven or earth, like like it kind of be like today, cross my heart and hope to die. Isn't quite as binding as I swore in my mother's grave, which isn't quite as binding as swearing on a stack of Bibles, all of which can be canceled if our fingers are crossed, right? But Jesus is simply saying, don't look for the loopholes. Be true. Talk straight. Let your yes mean yes. Let your no mean no. Don't, don't make a promise if you think you need an out. Live lives of integrity that show people you say what you mean and you do what you say. Walk the talk. Now, let me ask you, does being true matter? I mean, ask your kids if it makes or made any difference to them whether or not mom or dad was a promise keeper. Does does it matter if you promise your parents you won't, then you do? Does it matter if I laugh at a racial joke as long as I never tell one? Does it matter if I fantasize about an affair as long as I don't do it? Will that affect my marriage? Is it okay to hang on to my bitterness as long as the other person doesn't ask me to forgive them? Does it matter if I have a critical spirit if I'm right? (laughs) If I'm such a good preacher that I can draw people in from all over the region, but those who know me well don't trust me because I don't walk my talk, would that matter to you? Does it matter to God? How many times have you promised God to pray more, give more, help more? Have you ever been less than true? (laughs) You know, the problem with the church today and and everybody who doesn't go to church, the next generation especially, says this, one of our biggest problems is, is with people who just don't seem like they love Jesus. They're not trying to be like Jesus. It's It's hypocrisy. If you've ever been less than true, you're in good company. Honestly, you join a long line of biblical liars and promise breakers like Adam and Eve and David and Sarah and Peter. And if you answer no, you've never been less than true, then you're in good company. You join a long line of biblical liars and promise breakers. One thing I love about Psalm 26 is, is this contrast of David's 
confidence in his own righteousness combined with his humble plea for God's mercy. Like, I'm blameless, but God, please give me mercy. In verses 11 and 12, the psalmist acknowledges his dependence on God's grace, and he, and, and he pleads for protection. Be, behind this contrast is an understanding that true righteousness is, is ultimately a gift from God, and we're desperately dependent on his mercy and his guidance. And perhaps we could make the case that even here again, the driving motivation for being found to be true and full of integrity is in the the psalmist's desire to be with God. Living a life of integrity is not merely about external actions. It begins with a posture of our hearts before God. Can, Can I tell you what I think is one of the greatest dangers we face in this life of integrity? It's one of the greatest dangers that Christian leaders face. The greatest danger for one of God's leaders is that we become good at what we do. When I first started preaching, I was so scared that I'd mess up that I couldn't even begin to imagine preaching without praying. But now I found that I'm good enough to preach without God, (laughs) or so I think. When I first became a pastor, I hadn't trained to be a pastor, so when I became a pastor, I I prayed like crazy. I I dove headfirst into prayer because I was convicted that if God didn't do something, I'd totally mess that church up. Every time I think about that season, God whispers in my heart, Dan, you're still that guy. I don't care how good you get at what you do without me. You're going to mess it up. Listen, when we start getting good at what we do as leaders, then God calls us to go deeper with him in relationship. This is the journey of integrity. When we get good at what we do, God calls us to go deeper with him in relationship. And if we refuse, (laughs) well, we see all around us in the church today what happens when leaders get good at what they do and then refuse God's invitation to go deeper with him. And when he calls you to go deeper with him, say yes. When you sense that quiet dissatisfaction with, with all that you are doing, listen to the whisper of God and pursue him for his sake. This is where integrity comes from. It's, it's the shaping of our hearts that comes as we posture ourselves before him. We have to take a posture of surrender. The question of surrender is who's in control? Am I in control or is God in control? I mean, regardless of what he calls us to surrender, the issue of surrender is always who's in control. And God shapes our hearts of integrity when we acknowledge his control and surrender our attempts at control. We have to take a posture of brokenness. The question of brokenness is what do I depend upon for success, for movement, for the accomplishment of my purpose, my goals? Do I do I depend on my giftedness, my resources, my strategies, or do I come to God with a sense of desperate dependency upon him? God, I need your hands upon me. See, God shapes our hearts of integrity when we come to him with a posture of brokenness, a posture of surrender, a posture of brokenness. And then we also have to take a posture of vulnerability. The the question of vulnerability is, can I acknowledge my need? See, vulnerability involves telling other people, I need you as much, if not more, than you need me. Vulnerability gets rid of the masks that, that pretend I've got it all together. And, and it opens up my soul to the help of community and God. God. God shapes our hearts of integrity when we come to him and others with a posture of vulnerability, surrender, brokenness, and vulnerability. But man, this journey of integrity is not easy, right? He he takes us through the fire. He 
He leads us through the crucibles to shape our hearts of integrity. And sometimes it is a hard and difficult journey. Here at Calvary, we talk a lot about seeing God. We want to see God work. We want to come face to face with God. We want to draw near to God. We want God to pour out his spirit upon us because God is great and God is good and God is grace and God is love. And there's just something in our hearts that draws to God. We hunger for his presence, but never, ever, 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 ever forget that he is God. He wears no mass. He has integrity. He is who he is. And all that he is, he will always be. What he says he will do, that's his integrity. And though he's good, he's, he's not safe. You, you cannot manage him. You will not control him. If you come close, there will be unimaginable heat. He will change the very essence of who you are. And at times, it will hurt. But he's doing it for your life because he alone knows all that you could be and all you were meant to be. And all of this is the journey of our integrity. Listen, sin is bad, but hypocrisy is worse. God can handle our sin, but our hypocrisy closes us off from him. It's like shutting the door. Hypocrisy is caring more about how we look on the outside than how much we need God on the inside. How much do you need God on the inside? Are you willing to give up how it will look to others? You know you know what I found? It's odd. Sometimes... Sometimes I need to get out here, outside of me. <laughs> I need to get out here what's going on in here, inside of me. Because I need to do that before what's in here in my heart will change. But, but maybe you're more hungry for integrity's blessings than you are to look good on the outside. And what is integrity's blessing? It's the blessing of God's presence and his power. See, I, I want to be a conduit of God's power. I, I want to experience God at work in our community in supernatural ways. I want to see people hunger and thirst for God like they've never thirsted before. Hypocrisy is caring more about how we look on the outside than how much we need God on the inside. And one of the hardest things God will ever ask any of us to do is to be honest with ourselves. Until we're honest with ourselves, it's going to be kind of hard to be honest with God. So I want to ask you today, would you just be honest today? Because we're seeking a fresh work of God in our lives, in our church, in our community, a fresh work of God that will touch us at those places that we would love to keep hidden. But until they're brought into the light, there won't be a new day of capacity and power in the church to impact the community. So let's ask God to show us, what is the truth about my life? What is the truth about my heart? No more lying. God, help us to be men and women of integrity. Let me read that psalm again from the New Living Translation. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives in my heart, for I'm always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. I, I don't spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. 
don't condemn me along with murderers. Their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I am not like that. I live with integrity, so redeem me and show me mercy. And now I stand on solid ground, and I will publicly praise the Lord. God, I have that push-pull within me. (laughs) I live with integrity, so please show me mercy. I'm, I'm blameless, but I need your grace. God, I, I know that integrity is a journey. And I, I pray that you, you'd give each one of us a, a heart that longs to be a person of integrity. God, I, I pray that you would help us to practice the posture of surrender and the posture of brokenness and vulnerability. I, I pray that we would not, not just be authentic, not, not just let people see what's inside of us, but, but also ask people for help. That's part of this journey of integrity. God, I, I pray that we would look to mentors and coaches and, and that we would recognize that I, I need God, I need your help, but I also need the help of people around me to, to grow in my integrity, to, to grow in my reliance upon you to keep me accountable. God, I pray for each and every person listening. I I pray that you would restore your church. There's been too many examples in in the last years of of pastors, of leaders, of people, of churches that, that lack in integrity. God, help us to be a people of integrity. God, forgive us for our sins and grow us in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.